Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Malibu, California. Strange place up on the north coast of Los Angeles County. One of the seabeds of surf culture. There's a right-hand point break there. Super easy to surf, super perfect, super accessible, very consistent. Because of this beautiful right-hand wave, so many generations of surfers have come to Malibu to, to surf. So much so that, in a really real sense, surf culture as we know it was really born there. All through the 50s and 60s, a lot of the evolutions in in surf culture and, uh, and, uh, and the surfing itself and the surfboards that people rode all happened at Malibu it's just this perfect right hand slidey sometimes mellow often mellow point break um, it's so welcoming and, and just right there on a beautiful beach just off the highway you can see it all from, from the road um, and because of that so many people to this day, uh, make it their, their place to be. It's a real scene full of everyone from pro surfers and gnarly old legends to young kids and soccer mums and tourists and learners and Hollywood celebrities and people in the movie industry. It's the most LA of surf breaks. But it's got its own unique flavour and its own irreverent kind of, kind of counterculture at the heart of it. And today um, I sit down across the Zoom airwaves to talk Jamie Brissick and Ch- Trace Marshall. Jamie and Trace both have made Malibu their home, both made it their sort of spiritual surfing home. They've, they've written about it, talked about it, they do a lot of their stuff there. Trace Marshall, amazing surfer, brother to Chad. Together they are the Marshall brothers, irreverent, Mickey taking, um, surf brand, people that undermine the tenets of their own culture and have a good laugh while they're doing it and make good stuff. Jamie's a writer and author, friend of the magazines for a long time. We've written extensively about surfing and other non-surfing material it's had an interesting life in and out of the water and we thought we'd touch base to sort of join the dots between the past and the present of Malibu and California and from perspective of a lockdown London 
We thought it might be fun to see what the world looks like from Malibu. My name's Mike Fordham. I'm one of the founding editors at Huck Magazine. And joining the dots is where we make connections between people, people making things in their own image, writers, artists, creators, creatives, musicians, politicos, activists paddling against the flow, making things in opposition to the mainstream, paint the picture of the now in all its complexity, focusing on the things that draw us together rather than the things that draw us and tear us apart. I've known um, Jamie, Jamie Brissick uh, for what, what, 25 years, Jamie? I don't know, probably. Yeah, I think so. We met while I was putting together a magazine called Adrenaline and he came by London. And actually, Jamie introduced me to the Vince, who is now the publisher of the whole Shaboodle. Uh, Jamie um, was, he introduced me to Vince, who then we, we created, did a bit of Adrenaline together. And then when, when, we, when, we, when we shut Adrenaline down, we launched Huck together. And now um, that's, that's 16 years later. So, you know, we've done various bits of work together. We haven't hung out enough because of our geographical locations always switch around. Jamie always, uh, he seems to be everywhere and nowhere. Um, and <laughs> Trace, Trace Marshall, um, yeah. I think of you as a, as, as a member of a stri- the strange cult that is the Malibu crew, but you're not of <laughs> Malibu. You're of the Valley. And obviously in, 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 um, in surf culture circles, and from perspective yeah. like me, Malibu is this sort of mythical place that kind of invented modern surf culture as we know it. I've tried to paddle yeah. out there a number of times. I've got one and a half waves out of six trips there because I'm always intimidated and freaked out by the place. Uh, you got some good waves. Oh, I mean, the last time when you were here a lot when we met, yeah, yeah. But so and, and Trace from Malibu. How did you guys? Where did you guys get to know each other? You want to you want to yep. give your version of the story or mine, Trace? I I guess I don't know. You just talk so well. I'll just drink my M special beer. No pun. No, it's a great Anyways. story. It's it's interesting and it relates to the UK because I was shooting a lot of uh, photography. I was doing a lot of photography at the time, and I, I I pitched the idea of doing a story to FHM magazine, and they were into it. And the idea was to grab some folks from Malibu and do a fun story that was very much like verite. It was less fashion, and so through our friend Eric Gross. Um, the Marshall brothers were were hired, and um, we worked together for like four days, and it was probably some of the funnest four days of my entire life. And then out of that came this friendship, and then maybe a year or so later, we were at Malibu, and both Trace, who I'm looking at right now on Zoom, and his brother Chad are fantastic surfers, So and, and, and terrific characters. And so we're at Malibu one day, and I'm there with Jack McCoy, the surf filmmaker, who's trying, who's like, he's working on this movie and he wants to bring longboarding into it and looking for the right characters because it's going to be like a big sort of part in this film. And, uh, and, I, and, and so I find out that Trace and Chad are going to be there. I'm like, let's go meet those guys at Malibu. So we go there. And on the way there, um, Christian Beamish, who at the time was the associate editor of the Surfer's Journal, just text me out of the blue. And he's like, I'm headed to Malibu for a surf. Are you around? And I said, yeah, yeah, let's meet up. So I happened to like pull up to Trace and Chad Marshall at Malibu with Christian Beamish, the associate editor of, Trans- of uh, the Surfer's Journal on one side of me, Jack McCoy, the legendary surf filmmaker on the other. And I see the boys and I kind of like elbow them and I'm like, 
go out there and fucking perform because these guys, you know, this is a great opportunity. <laughs> and they go out and just tear it up. And, and, and then the next, that night actually, we went out and, and Jack fell in love with you guys and went, you guys are in the movie, we're gonna do this. And that was A Deeper Shade of Blue, a great Jack McCoy film. And then about a week later in this weird, it was almost eerie, Christian calls me, he's like, God, I really like those Marshall Brothers. Would you like to write a profile of them for the Surface Journal? And I said, absolutely, I would. I would. And then, uh, and there, there it happened. The rest is history, bro. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about Malibu. I mean, a lot of people don't understand people outside of surf culture. And the point of this is to kind of actually share some stories that, that will educate people who don't understand anything about surf culture. What's yeah. Malibu like? Trace, tell me about Malibu. Oh, Malibu is a very special place. I think it goes back to like Native Americans, you know, and the Chumash. It was like a sacred ground, you know, and I think it still is. Honestly, you could tie it pretty much, you know, so I was breaking this down with someone the other day. Like, honestly, I think Malibu in itself is maybe one of the most inspirational cultures in the world, whether you know it or not. You know, I remember uh, I was traveling with my wife. We were in Bali and we landed in Taiwan in this airport when a day layover. So we're hanging out, walking around and there's, a kid wearing a Jimmy's e-shirt and it's like Malibu, California. And you know, there's Hollister and Amicron means Fitch. And like with Gidget, the explosion of pop culture and uh, of the fifties into the sixties, you know, it's so heavily influenced. You, you could even go into the seventies and within surf culture and outside, I'm talking culture in general, like of the last century, you know, it's, it's pretty unreal how influential it is. And honestly, today, it still is. I feel there's no other beach in the world. You're in the greatest city in the world, one of the greatest waves in the world. And the actual wave at Malibu is so perfect and such an easy, easy playing field for people. You know, it's like people get frustrated. I think it's a, it's a mind game. It's not really about how good of a surfer. I mean, me and my brother are just like some coop longboard dudes from the valley, right? Like, you know, there's Slater and, and these kids doing crazy shit, dudes charging pipe, you know, charging these crazy fucking waves all over the world. And, um, you know, I broke it down. We went and I was, uh, I think it was Kelly Slater surfing, like it was maybe last summer or something. And you could just see him, his like frustration, but like this like competitive thing come out of wanting to get a wave. But there's a guy who's barely surfs going, getting a, you know, a head high wave across the point. Cause it's just such a fucking perfect wave. And so it's honestly, it puts everyone in their place. And honestly, it taught us really to like, like not take anything too serious, you know, and that's the key to life. And I translate it to everything we do, you know, which we're so lucky, but you know, if you ever get a chance to go there, it's pretty amazing. And the, and the, the mix of people there, it's just, it's so unreal, you know? And it's like, yeah. if you really just take a step back when you're there and just appreciate, it, especially growing up there. And you know, there's these five year changes of different people hanging out. And you know, it's, it's so funny to see, maybe a guy just shows up, he hangs out there for a couple of years and he gets his like, kind of ego pump up, you know, hanging out in the lot every day, hanging out at the beach every day. And that thing of localism, like the thing that's beautiful about Malibu, it has a way of tearing people down and slowly wearing on them. If you take it too serious, I'm telling you. And honestly, it's it's such a such a special place. We're so lucky. You know, I've, I've always been, I say, I've always been amazed at the place, at how how perfect that wave is, you know, um, and the, 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 the contrast of people I'm, and of there, like you've got some really vocal rock and roll hollywood people there right everyone's yeah i mean every everything it's if you take every part a slice of los angeles los angeles is its own state technically it's so big so diverse within even within the cities there's like these cities inside cities you know it's so crazy like you could be on one street cross the other street and you're in a whole different zone you know um and but the beach, you have a slice of all of it. You know, you have the influence of celebrity and money of, of uh, you know, of wealth in Malibu. But then you have people from the city that come there because it's such a beautiful place. Then you get tourism. You get people from all over the world going there because it really is just the most beautiful beach. And like, honestly, I started to realize there's not 
very many beaches you can just go pull up and hang and like watch the spectacle of like these waves riding through with these surfers and like hang out on the beach, park right next to it. Like there's really no place like it, you know? And you try to compare it to other waves and stuff. And the, to me, it's like, I've, I've been to a couple of places and it's like, it's just, it's so funny. And you see people from other parts of the world and other surf spots that live in other countries or whatnot that come there and there's just this energy and attraction, you know, you can't really like describe, you know? Yeah, it's kind of, it's layered as well to history. You know, you mentioned the Chumash, um, but all the way through, you know, all the pioneering moments in surf cultural history, you know, can be, the, you can take the reference point from Malibu, right? You know, with the different yeah. bull development and the surfers that created there. Yeah, it's like Joe, Joe yeah. Quigg, Dave Sweet, you know, the first balsa boards, the Malibu chip, uh, Bob Simmons, his development of like the displacement hole bottoms to, you know, those guys into the first foam fiberglass with Dave Sweet and those dudes to, you know, then you go into Mickey Dora and Lance Carson and what those guys did. And then even in the 70s, it's Angerino, Greg Little, you know, it's just every decade has a thing. And then even Jamie and, you know, his group of guys, they were like the only guys from Los Angeles that went pro and went on tour. There's only a handful of them. But what they were doing at third point two was a whole scene, influenced fashion, you know, it's like, we're just so lucky being from Los Angeles. Like we have accessibility. Like the difference between us and say in Orange County or Hawaii or something or Santa Cruz or wh wherever it is, you know, those guys are bred to be professional surfers and they have this opportunity and that's it. Focus, focus, focus. And it's like, there's plenty of amazing, great surfers here in Los Angeles, specifically Malibu. But you know what happens is like, by the time you're 13, 14, 15, you're going out, you're going to shows, you're going to clubs, you're, you're there's so much opportunity and influence outside the beach, you know? Yeah. That really, that, none of that stuff, you really break it down. You're like, I don't, what am I going to do? Go compete in a surf contest? Fuck that. I'm going to go, you know, go drink some beers with my friends, go out and party or, or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, whatever your interest is or whatever, so much inspiration, you know, so much culture. And, uh, you know, but the beauty part is, is like now I'm, I'm getting older. I'm in my, I'm 37, 37 years old. I got two kids. We just recently moved out of the city back to the canyon up above Malibu. My brother has, you know, three girls and lives down the street. And now we're at this older age and we are just like, we could just surf every day, you know? I bring my kids to the beach and like, nothing's changed, right? And it's like, I felt like we went through this period, you know, of, of, of you know, paying your dues and putting it out, but it's like, I, I told my wife, I was like, during the whole COVID thing and everything else, I'm like, if it wasn't the first point, we would not be living here, you know? Even though as beautiful and lucky as we are with this house we're living in, like, honestly, it's like, I would be somewhere else, but it's the curse of Malibu. It's like, I, no matter where I am, it's like, even when we'll go down, you know, to Mexico and surf and stuff, and, you know, pumping south well, you're still just like, fuck, I'm not Malibu. Yeah, but Malibu's giving you pumping totally, yeah. Jamie, um, yeah. what's your take, briefly, I don't because we've got to move on from Malibu at some point, I know it's very special, but um, what's your take on the place now? What's it, what is it like now, and what part does it play in surf culture? Yeah, it's in interesting that, I mean, I think it still, it still plays a big part, of maybe more so at a, at a different period. Um, I think the one thing, and Trace hit on most of the main points, but the, the, I think the, the thing that makes it so unique in the present day is how close it is to a metropolitan city. And so, you know, I just always felt that the, 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 the sort of parking lot scene at Malibu, like some of the wit bandied about was really, it was always just really clever. There were, there were, and there were a lot of smart brains and there are also a lot of folks who sleep in their cars. I mean, you have... You have some like hugely successful career on a global, you know, hugely successful people on a global scale. And then you've got these sort of dudes who just hang there and sleep in their cars, which is all, and, they, and everyone gets along fine. And it, so it, in terms of a lot of the stuff going, in, going on in the world at this very moment, I feel that uh, growing up at Malibu exposed me to a lot. And whether that's in terms of like the color of skin or the sort of economic diversity 
um, just people's different ideas. I, I just always felt that Malibu was, uh, it was a smart beach. Like you, you got educated by being there. Whereas I look at it, I, you know, having spent time in a lot of other places, some of the surf hubs are so consumed by the surfing or the high performance surfing that people don't become well-rounded. Whereas if you live at Malibu, you kind of have to groove with every aspect, every facet, you know? Yeah, that's one of that insid those insidious things. I think we spoke about this before, Jamie. You know, um, the insidious thing about surf culture is that if, if, if it takes over your life at a certain level, it's difficult to get out of it. And I think if, if, you, if you're living it in a certain place, you get consumed by this, what now is like this consumerist culture where it's basically like you end up working in a surf shop. That's it. That's the end yeah. point. But I guess yeah. Malibu, because of this this big metropolis, there's so much more. And I guess it's like surfing in, in, in LA and particularly Malibu is just like the, the icing on the cake. It's not the actual cake itself, right? No, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's just rare to have such a quality wave so close to a big <clears> city because there are city beaches around the world, but none sort of have the legacy and the quality of Malibu. Yeah. I mean, it's like we always say, it's like uh, we're not surfers, we're people who surf, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the reality. But to pretty much sum it up, anyone has to do if they want to know about Malibu is just go rent the movie Big Wednesday. I recommend it. Basically breaks down every, our lives. Yeah, big, big way. I mean, that, and that is the thing that got when I was, I was, I think I saw it when I was fifteen, living in a London suburb. I had this vague <laughs> idea. I had this vague idea because my father was American, actually, uh, but I'd never met oh, him. God. I hadn't met him at that point. My old man, my old man was from um, the Simi Valley. I think we spoke about this before. And he was from LA, I and I had this vague idea that America was something I should aspire to. When I saw Big Wednesday, like, ah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, Trace, so you, you opened a shop right there in Malibu, a Brothers Marshall outlet. Yeah, 
Brothers Marshall Surf Shop slash Cultural Center. And honestly, it's like trying to educate people at the same time. And, you know, like we're lucky enough to have a lot of great, talented friends like Jamie or some musicians or whatever. If you remember the Venice Surf Shop in, in uh, Mollusk, uh, yeah, the, one, yeah. the shop in Venice, my brother Chad ran it for years. Yeah. And Chad would just have our friends come through, you know, and our good friend Blake Knowles started doing like nights there and it'd be, you know, Jackson Brown or Billy Gibbons would show up and Blake would have these jams. You know, and uh, we're just we're just creating a home for everything that we do and uh, just kind of doing it on our own terms. And, nice. you know, I, I, I've gone through a lot of my manufacturing side to where now we just it's just exciting. And I think the world needs it right now. COVID or not, like just creating a platform and technology is catching up too. where, yeah, we can have shot, you know, stream shows from our shop. You know, and uh, <clears throat> just try to give something for for people to do. You know, totally. So, Jamie, um, you you uh, obviously you're you're rooting surfing. I'm. All, do you remember the? Um, it always sticks with me. Jeff Jeff McFetridge's illustration that our friend Jimmy Newitt put on the cover of the Big Issue of Surfer. You know, the guy with the the surfboard as a burden walking around. Remember uh-huh, that yeah. one, the black and white illustration. I thought yep. that was a brilliant, brilliant summation and really brave of Jimmy and Surfer to put it on the cover because that, what, what, what Trace has just been relating there really is this thing about, like, you, you set, and I've been on that journey myself, you know, you set, you set down on this road, this road to, to surf, to be able to surf, and it takes such a kind of lot of dedication physically to put yourself in front of the right amount of swells to actually become a surfer and then it becomes mm-hmm. this burden, and to try and sort of eradicate all that me- all that bunch of bullshit away from you, I think is what Tracy's talking about there. You can surf, but you don't have to be a surfer, right? And as a writer yourself, and as someone that has written about all kinds of things, and is that a life that, that that outstrips that surf culture? It's still rooted in surfing. What's your what? Is, what does that surf burden feel like for you? Yeah, you know, that's a fascinating one. I don't feel it as a burden anymore. I certainly felt it at one point. And I hit a point where I was a professional surfer. I was on the Pro Tour for five years. And, and it was a great, great time. And the thing that the, the burden sort of started once I stepped off the tour because I'd kind of ridden the, some of the best waves in the world at that time. Um, I'd kind of hit the highest highs, probably like I, I probably hit surfed as the best I would ever surf in my life. And I, and I sort of wanted to reinvent myself. And, and I had the, the burden was that like I'd had this sense of fulfillment and joy and self-expression that came from being a pro surfer that I thought like the rest of my life is just going to slide downhill. And, and I got interested in writing and I just realized I had like a lot of work to do to get there. And that meant not, not making it my priority to get in the water every day at, by 10 a.m., which is what I've done most of my life. So I had to consciously sort of uh, resist the temptation to just jump in the water all the time and, and basically be sedentary and sit and read and write all day. Um, so I went through a lot through that. But I mean, it's, it's a sad story, but my wife passed away several years ago and, and her sudden passing in the in the sort of terrible suffering that I went through, the one thing that I, that felt good was just jumping in the water, and and I also realized that the self expression and trace traces a living example of this is the sort of like the fun that fun bubbly feeling you get by being in the ocean, like the effervescence of being in the water. It carries into your entire kind of how you live your life, whether it's your whether it's your relationship, whether it's your work. In my case, with writing, like I feel like if I'm 
if I'm like going to Malibu and surfing and laughing with the, with the, with the crew down there and then getting a few waves, when I go to write something later, instead of it being something that's heavy, that, you know, a, a dark tone, it'll be a light, funny tone. Like there's a, a, that, like that original irreverence that I think has, was part of surfing. It was sort of baked into surfing from the beginning, which is like, we just were, were, were larrikins. We have fun. We laugh, you know? So it's, it's balancing that. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm, when we finish this, I'm going to go surfing and I work this morning, but it's, it is, it, it, the burden side is that it takes a chunk of your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like that is at the root of, that's why it's such a, it's been such an influential and powerful form of pop culture, right? It's because at its heart is something very simple and very beautiful that has a very lasting, very tangible effect. And the problem is the surf industry has been so good at disseminating that message in a certain way that everyone's wanted a slice of the pie. And in doing so, that, that you know, that the externals of that culture has lost its potency. But we know, all of us three here, and a lot of people listening to this will know, a lot of people intrinsically kind of um, uh, instinctively will know that there is something incredible about riding a wave that has had so much influence yeah, no, like, no one can take that away from you, you know? Yeah. Bodhi's not a point break. It's just, the, it's the best. No, I, I think what Tracy says is really true, and that is, and I was, I was deeply entrenched in the surf world as, as the companies went really big, and basically I was sponsored by Quicksilver when, when, when Quicksilver became a publicly traded IPO, and, you know, it expanded so much, and... I watched it slowly kind of lose the saltwater side of it, I guess. And, and, and I say that with no, I don't mean, I'm thank, grateful to Quicksilver and I like, those are still dear friends of mine, but I watched the kind of the, the American big is better thing, like bite itself in the ass, you know, like it, it was just, that's not the way to go. And I think what Trace is talking about, what is interesting right now coming out of this sort of COVID period and now with everything else that's going on, the like, the, our bullshit detectors are a little sharper. I think we can feel like we can we can sense something that's like got the wrong motivations behind it, and the the really pure stuff I think will rise to the top. Yeah, it's twenty twenty. You know, it's like before. Here's the thing: the only thing you could learn about what surfing was was through a, a magazine. You pick it up, and so people that weren't or specific areas, there was no Instagram, there was no social media, there was nothing, right? So you would get whatever was in the magazine. You wanted what Kelly Slater wrote or what Chris Malloy wrote. And then uh, basically it's like, could you imagine getting a board, taking the surf shop, it's like a 6-0, it's like the generation I grew up, honestly. And it's, you know, a potato chip, two inches thick, like shortboard, trying to learn how to surf. Like, could you, could you, and then you're here in California, like Zuma beach break or Venice beach break or whatever it is, and it's like, or even Malibu, trying to catch a wave on the thing, you know? And that's what was so alluring to us. Like, growing up, it was just, uh, we were so lucky to go to First Point and have Josh Farbro and the Plopa crew of guys, you know, Dave Peterson and all these dudes who, and Shannon, like, showing us, like, oh, we can, can, write, we can write boards, you know? And it was like Ganser and Jenny, uh, Danny Auberg, who actually wrote Big Wednesday with John Milius. Those guys were still riding longboards at First Point, you know? Scott Anderson was shaping... Uh, you know, traditional flat rocker boards, you know, and so lucky to grow up at the time we did and have first point. And it's like, you know, I remember going back to school and there was like the Ripper Bro kids in the valley that had the, you know, Val Surf or Ig Surf Shop boards and, you know, ripping and had their bleach hair and the Holcomb shirts and stuff. And I, I just couldn't relate to it. 
you know, and it's like after catching a wave on a board, you know, Glenn Kennedy shaped my first surfboard that my dad had and catching a wave at first point on a longboard being 12, 13 years old, I was like, fuck everything. Like this is, this is it, you know? And I just, like I, like I said, I was just so thankful we grew up where we did and what, you know, being exposed to that. And that's, that feeling is what I built my life around, you know, and sacrifice whatever I had to sacrifice to get to the point we're at now. And I'm just so thankful, you know, and I see my kids now starting to boogie board and shit. I'm just like, this is the key to life. People are so lost, whether it's microdosing or fucking yoga or uh, whatever it may be. I'm just like, just go fucking surf Malibu. Like that's all you need. Really. That's the answer. And honestly, there's no more truth to life than surfing. And that's, it's like you said, there's this feeling and you know, the industry of surf was portrayed for so long by my product, by my product, by my shit based around these insane pro surf dudes who also too were sort of just thrown into this crazy world and then washed up and dry and moved on to the next, you know, it was just such a big industry. It was so much bigger than skateboarding or anything else like that. And it was so elitist and uh, yeah, just, just so lucky. And I think that's what's coming back to is like, is that feeling that, that pure stoke, you know, and it's like, I remember, I remember Jamie, some, one thing you wrote always resonated with me. And I think I've shouted it back to you a few times. You talked about the golden armor. Do you remember that? Uh, you probably don't even remember writing it. The golden armor. I'm trying refresh, refresh me. The thing about it was on a. You did a thing. It was in um, big magazine, the Surf Issue, um, uh -huh, uh -huh. with David Carson Art directing it, right? And there was a list of things about surfing, the truths about surfing. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And it it was, I think number three or four was after a surf. Surfers get the golden armor, which protects you from all the bullshit in the world. Do you remember writing? Yeah. Or did no, you no, now, now I totally do. And I've, <laughs> I, I've kind of rephrased it as afterglow, which is like just that. I, you know, I joke, it's funny, there's that, that, that maxim in, in writing, which is like, I don't like writing, but I like having written. And I kind of feel that way about surfing. I still enjoy surfing, but mostly like I love the buzz afterwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds though, like you're, 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 you guys are both pointing there to um, a sort of a new period in surfing, though, where, where the bullshit will be stripped away. Because... As you said, there is no real industry to talk about really now. It's just fragmented. Oh, it's so, back to the people. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that's is that is that naive or you know? I mean, I said I think everyone's got to take their own their own take on it. Because me, when I, I I went through so many periods of being so self conscious about surfing, now I don't give a fuck, man. I go out there. Yeah, I go exactly. out there, and I said to you last time I was in California, I didn't have a wetsuit with me, yeah. uh, and I didn't have a board with me. And I said to Jamie, like, I came past, um, I was driving up towards Malibu, and what was it, um, Sunset there, the point break, yep. down from Malibu. It was peeling perfectly. It was hardly anyone in there. Yep. I thought, all I've got is Speedos. So I just literally took everything off, and I just, just swam <laughs> out in Speedos. And everyone just, like, the, the waves parted, you know. I didn't have my <laughs> teeth in. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of the best surfs I've ever had. I had no board and no wetsuit, nothing, but... I was out in this beautiful California gold and it was just like, yeah, this is what it's all about. And so yep. I feel like every, everyone who ever aspires to the surf thing goes through this period, this kind of arc and you come out the other side knowing that all that matters is just fucking paddle out. Right. Yeah. When in doubt, paddle out. That's what I was thinking about five year locals. Like they, you know, it's like they show up, they get really intense. They think they have to 
it's all about the, the surf, bro. And then there's like this chill out zone where you realize you're like, oh, fuck, my fucking dimensions on my board doesn't matter or my rail or my thin placement or what I'm wearing about their kit. You know, that shit doesn't fucking matter. And they'll get there. But it's time. You got to put the time in, you know. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just super interesting. It's just, it, like you said, like this, the, what the surf industry supposedly is going through, it's like, it's authenticity. Now people can sniff out authenticity and what's real or what's not, or what's like an Instagram ad that's popped up, you know, like it's just the real deal. And that's all it is. And honestly, it's something that can't be traded through, through social media or something. It's an energy and like, it's what you get down at the beach, you know, and that's it. And that's, what's lacking with these big companies. They didn't make an adjustment and, you know, it's just supporting the act of surfing, you know, and being open-minded to people that are coots. Like, we're all fucking coots. Like, you know, it's so funny. Like, it's it's pretty baffling. Like, go if you go to another spot and surf, or if you go down specifically Orange County majority, it's 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 just so crazy. Like, uh, there's still that real jock hypo mentality, which is not bad. Like, there's not even hating that. That's great. Like, I don't want to hate on anyone. But as far as to translate to the world, or if you have a business trying to, like, sell something and surf, or trying to have something that represents surf, it should come from surfing. Like it just got so diluted with like collaborations and all the shit and blah, blah, blah. And you know, just make good product and like, just be, just be honest. And I think that's what people are relating to these days. You know, like so, you're, um, you're, so you're, you're in London, right? So what's that? You're in London, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not in London at the moment. I'm in the West country. I haven't okay. been, I think about the thing about right now, we're on the computer with Jamie Grissick and yourself and we're, talking about surfing like how and you're describing your feelings of what you got from surfing it's just like it's awesome it's 2020 like fuck, man as crazy as the world's getting you know it needs to happen like everything needs to be destroyed for it to come back into life you know it's the phoenix and it's across not even just surfing the world in general especially specifically our country like it just needs to burn down and it needs to be rebuilt and that's it we're just so archaic and the surf industry is so archaic and that's it. It's just that, that shit can't go on forever. It's just, it's kind of a beautiful metaphor and parallels of what's going on in, in, with the world and everything else. Like it's happening in surfing. And that's why I was saying even first point Malibu is it's a beacon always of what's to happen five years down the road, you know? So what's Jamie, what's um, the, the, the brothers Marshall opening their, their, their surf hub in Malibu. It's going to be a shifting point. What's going to, what are you working on at the moment? What, what's, uh, what's the future hold for you? Because you've had some tempestuous couple of years, right? You've had a lot of changes and a lot of shifts yeah. and a lot of traveling. Where, where are you at at the moment and what are you working on? Yeah, well, we've just finished this film that we've been working on for about 10 years uh, called, uh, it, well, it started as Westerly. Now it's called The Life and Death of Westerly Wendina, which is about a transgender surfer. So, yeah, so finally finished with that. And, uh, and a lot of journalism and writing, um, I have a book I'm working on, but yeah, uh, no, everything feels tenuous. You know, it just feels like it could sort of all go under, which is okay. I'm, 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 I'm kind of fine with it, but, uh, well, you've had that a couple of times over the last five years, right? Yeah. I've gotten, I mean, my pla I had, I lost a, a place burned down that I lived in when I had all my belongings. So yeah, it's, it's all familiar. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm used to being a guy with a backpack, just looking for a place to take a shower. It's a familiar, it's a familiar feeling. And I guess it must feel, I bet you're looking forward to getting on a plane again, right? Because you haven't been, you know, you've, you've been in one, in one place for at least three months, right? 
Yeah, you, well, you know what though? I, and I've always traveled a lot. And last I saw you, I was in London, and I intended yeah. to spend a good chunk of this year there, but that didn't happen because of COVID. Um, yeah. But now I'm back in Venice, and no, I'm actually kind of okay. It, it, it's to sort of have, at least for right now, having travel like not even an option. It, I, 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 Jimmy was just a figure of my Jimmy was a figure of my imagination. I didn't think you were actually real. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm I'm kind of really comfortable just hunkering down. It's it doesn't feel. It feels great, actually. Yeah. And where are you now? Because you were up, you know, the house burned down. Where, where, were, you, where were you now? I was in Point Doom before, and, that's, and the fire, the Woolsey fire from a year and a half ago, two years ago, burned the place down. And then I was sort of moving around. But right now I'm in, I'm in Venice Beach. I'm renting a little place there. And um, so I'm real close to the water. And that, that, that place will drag you down if you're not careful. You must have to negotiate the madness there. It must oh, be quiet. It must be quiet with no tourists, though, right? Well, it's quiet with no tourists, and it, but you know, there's a big, there's a huge homeless population here. Um, what's really interesting, though, is as everything sort of shifted this last like twelve days or whatever it's been, um, the where before the kind of there was a sort of the disparity of like the, the folks who live in homes and the homeless, right? There's almost like a camaraderie among everyone who's here right now because there's like a, a far bigger thing happening, and it's interesting because. I mean, I haven't had any problems, but I know people who live here who, who are kind of, you know, they wish, they wish that their, the streets were a little cleaner. Um, I don't feel that way at all, but, but now there's, we're, we're all, there's like this strange solidarity, um, and we're all just sort of people who live in Venice just trying to get by. I thought that was really, really freaky watching the bulldozers uh, fill in the skate park in Venice with the sand, right? That's Incredible, right? I know that was, that, that was so, that was kind of an extreme measure, but I guess... That'd be the only way to stop the kids from skating. And is it still is it still full up full up of sand? No, no, no. It's back. It's absolutely back. Oh. And I was yeah. And I was there the other day. I mean, I think we're so far beyond. You know, the really interesting thing about like a lot of the demonstrations that are going on is there's a lot of call and response. There's a lot of chanting, and so you've got most people are masked, but you've got basically like from what I've read you've got the droplets just flying in the air. I mean, people have just sort of surrendered to the droplets at this point, and we'll see how that goes. But I understand it, and I think a lot of people feel that it's, this is way more important than sheltering at home. Like, you, there's no sheltering at home anymore, you know? Yeah. So literally, like, the, 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 the whole thing just shifted so quickly. Yeah, exactly. And Trace, um, what's the timeline on the, on the Brothers Marshall Malibu Hub? Trying to get it done like this next month, at least open, hang out, and uh, yeah, hope in the next month. You know, obviously we were we were planning to do it May, June, and then obviously COVID happened, and then uh, you know we're adjusting. But you know, it's crazy. There's this crazy energy behind retail right now. It's just crazy. You feel this energy of people wanting to do something, be a part of something, and uh, you know, it's figuring out the relations and all that. And like I said, we're able to adjust with technology. Um, you know, being able to do live streams, have parties, you know, keep it to a limited amount, all this stuff. And it kind of makes it more special, you know? And uh, we're even doing like outdoor projections. Like uh, next weekend, not this weekend, the weekend following, we're going to do, uh, we're going to screen Big Wednesday. I'm starting to do these sort of guerrilla style bootleg movie screenings. I built this like, you know, 16 by nine, huge movie screen with projector. I got a generator at first point. And we're going to start doing just like movie screens, you know, just trying to get stuff to get people together. You know, it's like, like I said, like, people just want stuff to do. It's like, you know, after the waves are pumping and sunset, set up the screen, do some movies and all that. And uh, starting to use that as the base to start building up the, uh, the, the following for uh, our, our shop that we're opening. 
But you know, these things, this is the fascinating thing about life, right? As you, as you mature and you get older, you realize the interconnectedness of all this shit, right? And I feel like, you know, the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you, there's some sort of internal logic to it all. Well, listen guys, it's been yeah, amazing. Yours is so great. Yeah, it's such a joy to talk to you guys. Yeah, man, it's been good. Thanks for listening to Johnny the Dots. I've been Mike Fordham. This is a podcast from the makers of Huck Magazine. We hope you enjoyed. If you did, please tell people about it, share it, download it, comment and subscribe. Thanks to everyone involved in this podcast. Thanks to all the crew at Huck Magazine and TCO London. Thanks to Vince. Thanks to Sonic Alchemist, Rob Taliasin Owen. Stay tuned for more conversations across culture. See you on the other side. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.